Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo as we sit here on Monday morning as the best team in the NFL. Your Philadelphia Eagles are 8-1, and one, two and a half games up on them boys, the Dallas Cowboys. A huge win, huge win for the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday down in South Philadelphia at the link. And we're going to break it all down today on the Philly Sports Power Hour. I already see some of my Power Hour crew in the chat. Let's get a roll call. I see Peter Doty in the house saying, let's talk about how on point your predictions have been. We've been getting lucky, Peter. We've been getting lucky. Almost nailed this one. I had it at a 27-24 win for the Eagles. It was 28-23. Pretty damn close. Good morning, Jim G. Good morning to Vince. Wine Niners wine in the house. Smash that like button for the new music. I appreciate it. It is a victory Monday. And Jim G says, how's everyone's blood pressure? It didn't have to be that hard yesterday at the end of that game. But there was a time, I'm not going to lie, there was a time at the end of the game where I thought, Dallas is going to steal this one. First and six, or excuse me, first and five from the six-yard line at the end of that game. Whew. That one was a little bit too close for comfort right there. But it is a big win nonetheless for this Philadelphia Eagles team. And there obviously are things that we can work on, things that we need to analyze and improve. But let's take a second. Let's take a few minutes here to enjoy that our Philadelphia Eagles are sitting here at 8-1. and one. What Super Bowl hangover? That's all we were concerned about this offseason. Can they come back after losing the Super Bowl? It's so difficult. We've seen how many teams have struggled to start the season after losing on the biggest stage. Not when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. Not with Jalen Hurts, man. All this guy does is win. We are becoming so spoiled as a fan base right now that we now, wake up on Monday mornings to just talk about how they could have won bigger. Not how they could have won, just how they could have won bigger. Jalen Hurts wins football games. This team finds ways to win football games. And I know we hate the Dallas Cowboys. I hate the Dallas Cowboys just as much as everybody here in the chat. But they're a good football team. Dallas played a really good football game yesterday. And the Eagles beat them in a game that I said last week on this show. I wasn't going to call it a must win this early in the season, but it was pretty damn close to being a must win. Think about the difference of how we feel sitting here at eight and one going into the bye. 
than we would have felt at seven and two. Same amount of losses as the Cowboys. Going into the bye, knowing we have a couple of tough games coming up out of the bye. Being tied with the Lions, only being a game up on the 49ers. This was such a huge win for this team to be able to beat the Dallas Cowboys going into this bye, now sitting here, eight and one, two and a half games up in the NFC East on those Cowboys, a game and a half up on the Detroit Lions who were on a bye, now two and a half games up on the Seattle Seahawks who got absolutely crushed by the Baltimore Ravens, two and a half games up on the San Francisco 49ers, who were on a bye. The Eagles are in a great position as we enter the bye. And I said it last week on the Power Hour that if the Eagles could have won that game to go to 8-1, and one, you could look back at the first nine weeks of this season as an exceptional success for this Eagles team. We really could not have asked for a better outcome over the first nine weeks coming off of a Super Bowl Dealing with a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, all these new pieces on the defensive side of the ball, all of the injuries that they've sustained on the defensive side of the ball. And yet they're going into the bye eight and one with a two and a half game lead in the NFC East. We're going to break it down because that's what we do. But let's take a minute and acknowledge how good of a nine weeks it has been for this Philadelphia Eagles team and how lucky we are to have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. And I know people are saying, oh, Eagles got lucky again. Dak barely stepped out of bounds. The tight end for Dallas was a half a yard away. You know who wouldn't have stepped out of bounds on that two-point conversion? Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts comes up big when it matters most. And what we've seen year after year is Dak Prescott comes up small when it matters most. So hats off to our Philadelphia Eagles before I go ahead and break it down because there is a lot to talk about. But let me check in in the chat. I see you guys going crazy in the chat. I love it. Hit that like button for me if you guys are here. Really appreciate that. WCBJJ in the house. What's going on, my man? Still feel stressed with that fourth quarter. Me too, and we're going to talk about that. BSing Sports, good morning to you. Jim G, what in the world is going on with Bradbury? We're going to talk about that secondary. Dells, the coaches suck. We're going to get into that. I'm going to break it all down. want to talk about the game first, and then I want to start talking about some different areas that this team can improve. And I know a lot of people are on the coaches. A lot of people, oh, the offensive coordinator sucks. The defensive coordinator sucks. Well, a little teaser of what I want to talk about is sometimes it's on the players, guys. Sometimes your players need to execute. Everything's not the coach's fault. We always want to blame the defensive coordinator when a team gives up as many yards as this team gave up yesterday. Well, sometimes it comes down to your players and your stud players, and we'll talk about that in a second. Eagles fan, good morning. Devin Owens, everyone thinks when they lose to us, it's a good loss. Yeah, did you see Skip Bayless? I can't stand that guy talking about how Dallas is a better team. Eagles got all the breaks. Stop. Every single time a team loses to the Philadelphia Eagles, we always want to talk about, oh, how the Eagles got lucky because of this play or that play. Good teams find ways to win football games. And 
You've heard the old cliche, football is a game of inches. It is. And you got to be able to win at the right moments, and the Eagles do it. Look, I want to talk about that two-point conversion where Dak Prescott steps out of bounds, and we're putting a lot on Dak. Did you see BG? Did you see Brandon Graham chasing him down? And that's the reason Dak Prescott steps out of bounds. Brandon Graham showed up big last night. We haven't seen much of Brandon Graham this season. And I think I said it last week on the Power Hour. Someone made a comment about how BG's done. I said, but don't count him out because he will come up in a big moment with a big play. And he had a few of them last night, and we'll talk about it. But sticking in the chat here, Brian Lippincott, the play call that Swift fumbled on was total ass. Dallas still sucks. Steve Ike, all the birds do is win. You're not kidding, man. We have a triple-A Super Bowl team, but never going to win with these coaches. Steve Patton, good morning, Bill. I'm back from vacation. Great to listen to you during work. Love it, Steven. Thanks for checking in. See all you guys here. Steve Ike, Dallas choked. Jim G, Jalen wouldn't have taken a delay a game either. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because when it was on the six-yard line, I thought it was on for the Dallas Cowboys. But then, hey, Dallas became Dallas. Dallas became Dallas. Man, I love you guys are all over this chat. I love it. Well, let's jump in, guys. I want to just go through some things about this game, and then we can start breaking down everything you guys are talking about with the coaches and the players and the secondary and all that. But if you follow me and you follow this show, we talked about last week that there were really four keys to this game. Turnovers. Third down, red zone, and running a balanced offense. Well, you're not always right, but we were four for four on those keys to the game last week. We talked about how both of these offenses were very good on third down coming in. The Philadelphia Eagles had the number one third down offense, and the Dallas Cowboys had the number three third down offense. And you look at the game yesterday, third down. Eagles convert 50%. Dallas only converts 40%. Big, big deciding factor in that game was what happened on third down. And to take it a step further, what happened on fourth down. Eagles go two for two. Dallas goes three for five. And then we also talked about the red zone. Both offenses weren't very good in the red zone coming in. Eagles keep getting better every week, but they were 18th coming in. Dallas was 29th in the NFL coming in in the red zone. And that really was a deciding factor yesterday. Eagles go 100% in the red zone. Dallas only goes 60% in the red zone. They go three for five. Two of those red zone stops, you have a different football game. And then we talked about turnovers, how important it was going to be for this Philadelphia Eagles team to protect the football and not turn it over to this opportunistic defense that Dallas had. They were top five in the NFL in takeaways coming in. I talked about how this offense for Dallas was a pretty average offense. Now, they played well last night, but a pretty average offense. They were winning games because of their defense and because of turnovers and that the Eagles needed to protect the football. Well, thank God the Eagles got a little lucky last night with turnovers because they put the ball on the ground Three times against this Dallas defense. Three fumbles the Eagles had last night. One 
was on a strip sack of Jalen. And then DeAndre Swift fumbled two times. One of them was that play at the end of the game that one of you guys mentioned in the chat where he bumps into A.J. Brown, which could have been absolutely disastrous. Tyler Steen, with the best play of his young rookie career, making that fumble recovery. But we talked about those three key areas. Third down, Eagles win on third down. Red zone, Eagles win in the red zone. Turnovers, Eagles actually win the turnover battle because that last play of the game was a fumble that the Eagles recovered. And then we talked about how this offense needed to be balanced. I gave you guys the stat last week that in their five wins, the Cowboys had only given up 74 yards rushing. And in their two losses, the Cowboys had given up an average of 196 yards rushing. Well, I'm going to give credit to Brian Johnson. They committed to the run yesterday. Exactly what we were asking for. Commit to the run. And they did it. They ran the ball 33 times for 109 yards. And I want to talk about that running game in a second because the running game's not working right now. It is not as effective as it has been in previous years. And we love to talk about how dominant this offensive line is. The running game's not being dominant right now. And we've been saying for weeks, oh, they're not calling enough run plays. They're not calling enough run plays. They ran the ball last night, 33 carries, only 23 throws. So as much as we say Brian Johnson doesn't run a balanced offense, they did what we wanted yesterday. They ran the football. Now, whether or not it was effective is another question, and I'm going to get into that in a second. But you look at the four keys to this game that I wanted to see happen, and they happened. The Eagles won on third down. They won on the red zone. They won in the turnover battle, and they were balanced on offense. And the Eagles get out of there with a win. But let's go through real quick, guys, a little bit of this game, and then we'll get into some of the things that we are concerned about with this team. A lot of times we debate. I've been on Birds 365 with Jody Mack, and we debate on when you win the coin toss, should you defer or should you take the football? And I am of the mindset, I've said it before, I will always defer. There is never a scenario in my mind where you don't defer to get the ball coming out of half. And yesterday was a prime example of why you should always defer. Look what happens. Eagles win the toss. They defer. Dallas goes three and out on the first drive. Huge. Eagles get the ball. They then go on a 13-play, 77-yard, almost eight-minute drive to go up 7-0. And they converted in the red zone on that drive. Three for three in the red zone yesterday. Credit to this team. They've gotten better in the red zone. But what was so big on that drive, and we'll talk about the coaching in a second, and I know you guys are angry at the coaches. You're mad at the offensive coordinator. You're mad at the defensive coordinator. We'll talk about it. But let's give the coaching staff credit when the coaching staff deserves credit. On that first drive, Nick Sirianni went for it on fourth down twice. One time on his own 32-yard line on a fourth and one. They then get the ball down to the Dallas 27. It's a fourth and three. I wouldn't have faulted him if he kicked a field goal there. Go up 3-0 at home, first drive of the game. But Sirianni stayed true to his aggressiveness. 
showed this team we are here to win this freaking game. They go for it on fourth and three. They convert. They end up scoring a touchdown going up 7-0. That's why you defer. You kick the ball off. You get a three and out. You get the ball back. You go on a demoralizing drive right there. 13 plays, almost eight minutes, two fourth down conversions to go up 7-0. Now, another thing we talked about with this Dallas team is they have a very good returner in Turpin and very good special teams. Unfortunately, after going up 7-0, they give up that big return to Turpin, which ends up leading to a Dallas touchdown, making it a 7-7 game. And I've said on this show a bunch, I love what this team does, though, when they're faced with adversity. I love how Jalen Hurts responds when faced with adversity. After going up 7-0, Eagles quickly go down 14-7. They come right back and tie it up, make it 14-14. They then go down 17-14. And then Jalen Hurts takes that shot to the knee at the end of the half. Anybody else heart sink when you saw Jalen struggling to get up? I do the halftime show here on Jacob Sports. And me, Mark Farzetta, and Kayla Santiago were sitting there at the halftime show saying, is Jalen coming out at half? Is this guy going to be able to play the rest of this game? Because it didn't look good, man. He could barely get up. Could barely get up. But what did Jalen Hurts do coming out of the half? Another reason why you defer, because you get the ball to start the half. So, Eagles are down 17-14. Jalen Hurts looks like he is banged up, like he may not even be able to walk. And what does he do right after halftime? This is why when I sit here and I say we are lucky to have Jalen Hurts as our franchise quarterback, it's because of things like this. He goes down with that knee. They're down 17-14 at halftime. What did Jalen Hurts do? on the next two drives out of the half. First of all, he comes jogging out of that tunnel. Last player out. Place goes nuts. If you were down at the link, let me know how excited the crowd was to see Jalen coming out of that tunnel. And then what does he do on the next two drives? Takes the team right down the field on both drives, both leading the touchdowns. He goes six of seven for 84 yards and two touchdowns on those two drives. First drive was six plays, 60 yards. Beautiful throw to Devontae Smith in the corner of the end zone. Next drive, 11 plays, 87 yards. Another touchdown pass. That's what won the game for this team. Those two drives right after the half that put this Eagles team up 28-17. That is what won this football game. Now, unfortunately, Dallas didn't go away. And that's when we started to see some problems in the, red, in the defensive side of the ball, in our secondary. But you have to give Jalen Hurts credit, man, for what he did coming out of that half. You know he wasn't healthy. You know he was in pain. You know he was struggling. But he said, I got you. This game means too much and comes out with two big drives right after halftime to put this team up 28-17 that Dallas could never come back from. So if you're here in the chat, let me hear a little love 
for our man Jalen Hurts. Let's hear a little love in the chat for Jalen Hurts. And then after the game, he's interviewed, and he said, I would do anything for this team and this city. I love Jalen Hurts, man. I loved him since they drafted him. And thankfully, I have the videos to prove that I was on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon probably sooner than a lot of people were. And we see it every single week with this guy, man. Twiz says in the chat, Jalen is a warrior. And he is a warrior. He is a warrior. This guy, what he does in the face of adversity, and I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I'm sure you guys have seen it floating around on Twitter about what his quarterback rating is when they've been down this season. And it's unbelievable, man. MC, we have Leonidas at quarterback. That's a 300 reference for those guys who don't know. Leonidas. Tonight we dine in hell. The good movie. Good movie. Sorry for my Leonidas impression there. But you're not kidding, man. We do have Leonidas at quarterback. But just Jalen, man, means so much to this team. We are very, very lucky to have him lead in this group. We really are. We really are. But after Jalen brings this team down on two drives to go up 28-17, unfortunately, that's when things got a little bit scary. As much as the Eagles dominated the third quarter, they let the Dallas Cowboys dominate that fourth quarter completely dominate that fourth quarter. So Dallas battles back. They score a touchdown, and they have to go for two. Originally on the field, it's called a successful try. Looks like this is going to be a three-point game, 28-25. But then on replay, you see Dak Prescott step out of bounds. And like I said, go back and watch that play and watch our man, B.G., Hustling, hustling down to force Dak Prescott to step out of bounds. Now, you know Dak Prescott's faster than Brandon Graham, but Brandon Graham left it all out there. It's why we love BG, man, because he shows up, too, in big moments. None bigger than that strip sack in Super Bowl 52. But you look at that play again. Watch that play again on the two-point conversion and watch your man BG hunting down Dak Prescott to force him to step out of bounds. I'm looking to see what you guys are saying in the chat here. Adams exploits. Prescott went toe-for-toe with Hurts. It was a game of inches. I don't disagree with you, Adam. Look, Dak Prescott had a good game. He had a good football game. We hate Dak Prescott. We hate the Dallas Cowboys. They played well yesterday. You got to give credit where credit is due. The Dallas Cowboys played well yesterday. But the Eagles played better. The Eagles made more plays to win the game than the Dallas Cowboys did. And that's where the game started getting real interesting. It's 28-23. Six minutes left in the game. The Eagles get the ball back. Now, this is a weakness that I see on this team. And it's crazy to say it because of how good it has been over the years. But a weakness on this team is their running game. 
And I want to talk about that after the break, when we come back after the break, to talk more detail about this running game. But this is what I'm talking about. They get the ball back with six minutes left. What this Philadelphia Eagles offense would have been able to do last year is they would have been able to go on a four- or five-minute demoralizing drive where they're picking up four, five yards a clip on the ground, and Dallas would have never had a chance to get that ball back. They can't do that this year. Like I said, I want to break down more of these numbers. We talked about it last week about these numbers on the running game. They're not getting enough yards per carry. But when the Eagles get the ball back with 6.20 left, up 28-23, you can't go three and out there. You cannot go three and out there. The Eagles go two runs in a row. Don't get the first down. It's now third and three. And this is where I had a problem with the play calling. Third and three, and they call that deep pass to A.J. Brown. Run it again. We know, we heard Sirianni, he said it a couple weeks ago. Hey, every, every drive's like first and nine because of how good the brotherly shove is. Well, it's third and three. Run the ball again. All you have to do is pick up two yards. Hell, if you pick up three yards, it's a first down. Drive extends, obviously. But you pick up two yards, go to the brotherly shove. Get the first down. Did not like that play call there on third and three late in the game. But I have a bigger problem with the running offense in general because they're just not picking up enough yards. Whereas I said, last year, this offense... They're not going three and out in that situation. They're not. So they have to now punt the ball back to the Dallas Cowboys. They get it all the way down to the Eagles' 31-yard line. And that's where BG showed up again. Brandon Graham on back-to-back plays. Two sacks in a row. He gets a credit for a half a sack on the second one. But BG shows up big there, exactly what the Eagles needed. So then they get the ball back now with a minute 17 left. Dallas should never have gotten the ball back. Should never have gotten that ball back. Eagles can't run the football, man. They go three runs, three and out. There's something off with this running game. And we're going to dive more into the numbers. But a minute and 17 left, you get the ball back. This Eagles' dominant offensive line, and I'm going to put that in quotes, dominant offensive line, because they have not been dominant this season, should never have allowed the Dallas Cowboys to get that ball back. And on the postgame show, Mike Missanelli, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetta were talking about how they didn't like that the Eagles' offense wasn't aggressive enough in the fourth quarter. And I just posted the video on my Instagram at legal hands to the face where I said, look, we wouldn't even be talking about the Eagles aggressiveness on offense in the fourth quarter. If the running game was doing what the running game should have done. If they were handing the ball off and the Eagles were picking up four, five yards, a clip on the ground running four, five minute drives 
to extend the drives and not give the ball back to Dallas, nobody would be sitting here saying the Eagles weren't aggressive enough in the fourth quarter. We'd be talking about how the Eagles won this game 28-17 and that the dominant running game never gave the ball back to the Dallas Cowboys. It's just not dominant anymore. So they go three and out after getting the ball back with a minute and 17, and then this is where all of us lost about five years of our lives. Dallas gets the ball back on their own 14-yard line with only 46 seconds left. And the Philadelphia Eagles defense commits three straight penalties. Pass interference on James Bradbury. He gets hurt on the play. Then you get a roughing the passer on Hassan Reddick. Derek Barnett wasn't dressed yesterday. Those are the types of things you see from Derek Barnett, not Hassan Reddick. Really out of char- character for Reddick there. Gets the roughing the passer on, on Prescott. It's the right call. Look, I know sometimes these roughing the passer calls are too ticky-tacky. NFL's getting weak. That was the right call. It was really, really late. Really late. So you get the roughing the passer on Hassan Reddick. Then an offsides on Jalen Carter. Dallas now has the ball first and five from the Philadelphia Eagles six-yard line. Only down five. How many people in the chat thought this is going to be one of the worst losses in Eagles history right here if they blow this game? Thought first and five, you got Bradbury hurt, you got Slay hurt. At one point, you had Josh Job, Sidney Brown, Eli Ricks all on the field at the biggest moments when they haven't been able to stop CeeDee Lamb all damn day. But guess what? That's when Dallas became Dallas. That's when Dak Prescott became Dak Prescott. Had a great game. Had a great game. But when it mattered most, that's when Dallas became the Dallas Cowboys we're all used to seeing. They get a false start. Then Josh Sweat gets a big sack. Then they go incomplete, and then they get a delay of game. And then they throw that pass short of the end zone to C.D. Lamb. All of us. Give a little sign of the cross after that one, because that would have been disastrous. But a win is a win. We say it every week, and I'm not going to apologize anymore for this Philadelphia Eagles team being 8-1 and one because they do what they need to do in big moments to win games, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Jalen Hurts. And look, Patrick Mahomes best quarterback in the league. We're not going to take that away from him. But I will put Jalen Hurts as a leader up against anybody in this league. When we get back from the break, guys, I want to dive more into Jalen Hurts' numbers. I want to take a look at this Eagles defense and why they struggled so much against CeeDee Lamb. And I also want to talk more about that Philadelphia Eagles running game. Smash that like button, guys. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this Victory Monday. I appreciate all you guys taking this hour to spend with me. I see it in the chat. I love it. Love the engagement. Love that you guys are participating in the Power Hour show with me. And I see all your comments in there. I see you talking about Dallas Goddard. And it just got reported earlier today, and I think this is a huge break for the Eagles and Dallas Goddard, that they're only anticipating he's going to be out four weeks with a fractured forearm. That could have been a lot worse. It didn't look good. And if it could have been, if that would have been a season-ending injury, that would have been a big problem because we talk about this running game. Dallas Goddard, as good as he is as a receiver, is an excellent run blocker from that tight end position. So we needed Dallas Goddard to be back for this playoff run. So four weeks is still going to be tough, obviously. They got a tough stretch of games coming up, but let's hope they can fill in. So four weeks could have been worse. Not happy that he's out at all, but happy that he's not out for the season. And you may see some Albert O. You saw Albert O, the big tight end they got from the Denver Broncos. You saw him get a couple of snaps yesterday. So he may be stepping in now to get a little bit more playing time. So we'll see how things go there. But Eagles dodge a bullet would hopefully only be in four weeks. But 
Before we get into this Eagles defense, I just want to give a little bit more love to our man Jalen Hurts because you look at what he did yesterday. I talked about what he did coming out of the half and what he did on that banged-up knee that is not 100%, obviously. And he went 17 of 23, 207 yards, two touchdowns in the air, another one on the ground. He had a quarterback rating of 130.2. This Dallas defense, guys, was number fourth in the NFL against the pass coming in. They were only giving up 178 yards in the air coming into this game. Fourth best passing defense in the league. So I know these numbers maybe aren't as gaudy as they could be, 300 yards passing. Against this Dallas defense, that is a great game by Jalen Hurts and this Eagles passing offense. Dallas was also only giving up 17 points a game coming in. Eagles put up 28. So you got to give credit where credit is due. This Eagles offense did do enough to win this football game. But we'll talk more about that running game in a second. But we got to jump over to the defensive side of the football, man. Let me get the positives out of the way first. Eagles defense held that Cowboys offense to only six points in the second half. So sometimes I got to take a step back because I'm ready to go nuts on this defense. I want to start yelling and screaming and throwing things about what this defense did in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter. But all that matters is points. And the Philadelphia Eagles held the Dallas Cowboys to six points the entire second half. But it wasn't all good. It wasn't all good. But what was good, D-line showed up. Defensive line had five sacks. We saw Josh Sweat come up with that big sack. Hassan Reddick with a big sack in the first half. We talked about Brandon Graham, my man BG. He has a sack and a half. Jalen Carter gets a half a sack. Fletcher Cox has a half a sack. N'Kobe Dean gets credit for a half sack, but that was Fletcher Cox's sack, man. N'Kobe Dean kind of just jumped on at the end, gets a half a sack. But those are the positives. Six points in the second half. Five sacks on Dak Prescott. But something's going on with this secondary, guys. Something is going on with this secondary, and it does have me concerned. And I know we're sitting here eight and one. And I know I have people relax. They're eight and one. They're winning games. This secondary is not playing to the expectations that we all had for our Pro Bowl corner, Darius Slay our all-pro corner, James Bradbury. Former all-pro safety, Kevin Byard, that just got here from Tennessee. Reed Blankenship. We all had high hopes for him coming into his second season. This secondary is playing really bad, man. Really bad. And I know we want to put it all on Sean Desai. I've been getting messages all night from people on my Instagram and on Twitter about Sean Desai needs to be fired. They got to get rid of Sean Desai. He's a horrible defensive coordinator. When do we start putting it on the players? When is it not just the coaches' problems? When do the players actually have to show up and make plays? We can't blame the coaches for everything. And I see Ewing in the chat. Coaching is what's going on with this secondary. 
Why is it only the coach's fault? Why are we not getting on Darius Slay a little bit more? Former pro bowler. James Bradbury. All pro. Kevin Byard. I'm hoping it's just because he got here, man, that he just got here. But I don't think he looked very good yesterday. And I don't think he looked very good the week before against Washington. You gave up 390 passing yards to Sam Howe, and you follow that up with 374 to Dak Prescott. You let C.D. Lamb go off 11 catches, 191 yards. And I'm, look, I see it. I see Dan Kelly Green Burrito. It's the same scheme from last year. Do you know what the Philadelphia Eagles defense was against the pass last year? Who in the chat knows where the Philadelphia Eagles ranked in passing defense last season? Anybody know? Because everyone wants to blame the scheme. Oh, it's the same scheme that Jonathan Gannon ran. It's horrible. They're giving up too many yards. Bill Ray says, wasn't it top five? The Philadelphia Eagles passing defense in 2022 was number one in the NFL. Not only top 15, not only top five, the Philadelphia Eagles had the number one passing defense last season. They were only giving up 180 yards per game. Number one in the NFL. So I am tired of hearing its scheme because we were all on Jonathan Gannon too last year about his scheme. They still held teams to only 180 yards passing. Look, I have my issues with Jonathan Gannon. Don't get me wrong. I have my issues with him. I don't like the way he adjusted in the second half of that Super Bowl. I don't like how not aggressive he was in certain moments. But I'm sick of hearing that this is all on the coaches. It's all on Sean Desai. When you're giving up this many yards, two quarterbacks and receivers, some of it's on the players. These players are being paid a lot of money, man. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Kevin Byard, Reed Blankenship. These are our starting secondary now. I know they've had injuries. I know the slot corner position has still been a revolving door. You got Eli Ricks there. You have Sidney Brown there. Hopefully Bradley Roby comes back, but he just got in from the street. But these guys need to play better. They need to play better, and I'm not giving them a pass anymore. And I see you guys in the chat. Slate it and play bad. Go back and watch some of the tape from last night. And you tell me Slate it and have a bad game. Tell me Bradbury didn't have a bad game. Tell me Reed Blankenship didn't have a bad game. Tell me Kevin Byard didn't have a bad game. Look, I'm one of the biggest Eagles fans out there. You guys know that. You follow me. I bleed green just like you guys do. And I love all of these guys. Love Darius Slay and James Bradbury and Reed Blankenship. And I was excited when they got Kevin Byard. But these guys need to play better. And look, we say it every week on the Jacob Sports pregame and postgame show with Seth Joyner that the defensive D, the D-backs need to get up and play more press coverage. They played some press coverage yesterday. Go back and look. Go back and look. 
they were up on the ball a lot more yesterday than they have been. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. They couldn't cover these guys. And some of it was on our D-line as well. As good as our D-line played, getting five sacks in that game, there were times where Dak Prescott was able to extend the play where our defensive ends crashed too far inside on the pass rush, allowed Dak to break outside the pocket, and that's asking a lot of your secondary. I will give them that. When Prescott would break the pocket and extend the play, it's tough as a defensive back to keep guarding your guys. But there were some plays where it is 100% on those secondary players. The one touchdown, Reed Blankenship at the goal line, not the one he stopped, the other one to the tight end that where it was a touchdown, that's all on Reed Blankenship. He's got that guy man-to-man, but he's looking inside, and at the goal line, if you're a half second too late, it's over. Go back and watch that play. Watch Reed Blankenship. Watch where his eyes are. He's not on his guy. His eyes are in the backfield. He takes an extra second touchdown. This secondary needs to be better. And we can't keep giving these passes to these guys saying, oh, it's the coaches. It's Sean Desai. Fire Sean Desai. Players have to execute too. Look, I'm not here being a Sean Desai apologist. Could he improve? Yeah, he could improve. Would I like to see him dial up a few more blitzes here and there? Yes. But we also have to remember that this is not the NFL of the 90s. This is not Buddy Ryan's defense. Teams that call blitz after blitz after blitz get torched. You know who calls a ton of blitzes? What's his name? Wink, Giants defensive coordinator. How's that working out for him? He probably blitzes more than anybody in the league. How's that working out for him? Tampa Bay Bucks D coordinator calls probably top five blitzes. Look what Josh Dobbs did to them yesterday. So it's not all about calling blitzes. Yeah, would I like to see him bring a little bit more pressure here and there? Yes. But it's not all about blitzing. And look, all this talk about Sean Desai needs to be fired, where was all that talk against the Dolphins? With all those adjustments they made, with all the new pieces in the secondary and they shut down the Dolphins? The adjustments they made at the half against the Los Angeles Rams to shut down that passing offense. Players need to play better, too. Players need to play better, too. But I want to jump over to the offensive side of the ball because this has been something that has me concerned. We are 8-1, and one, but there's an area that I have been talking about. If you follow this show and you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you know an issue that I have with this offense right now is the running game. And I keep trying to figure out what is wrong with this running game. And we talked about last week, well, maybe they're not giving enough carries to their running backs early to get them into any sort of rhythm. Maybe that's the issue. Well, they gave the running backs a lot of carries in the first half yesterday. Let me get the number of how many how many rushes there were to the running backs in the first half. And I have it here. 
There were 17 runs in the first half. 17 runs. I'll take that. I'll take 17 carries. I think they gave the running backs 12 or 13 carries in that first half. It's what we've been asking for. It's what we've been asking for. But the running game is not effective, and we'll talk about why in a second, but let me just read you guys some of these stats, okay? Week two and week three, the Eagles running backs averaged 6.2 yards per carry in week two, 5.8 yards per carry in week three. That is dominant. Since then, they have not been over four yards a carry once. They went 3.9 against the Commanders. 3.6 against the Rams, 2.3 against the Jets, 3.4 against the Dolphins, and 2.9 against the Commanders, and yesterday, 3.17. That's not going to be good enough down the stretch. You saw it yesterday. This is what I'm talking about because I have people – responding to me when I've been saying this, saying, oh, but they're still a top three offense. They're still putting up the third most points in the league, the third most yards in the the league, total yards. You're not going to be able to close out games if you can't run the football. And we saw it right in front of us last night. Eagles had two opportunities on offense to not give the ball back to the Cowboys. They had the ball back with six minutes, They went three and out. They got the ball back with a minute 17. They went three and out. They have to be able to run the football to close out games. And you saw it the week before against the Commanders. Eagles got the ball back with about four minutes left. They went three and out. You have to be able to run the football. And I know we want to blame Brian Johnson. Again, we're blaming the coaches. Again, it's always the coaches we want to go after. But in this scenario, is it the offensive line? Is it Jalen Hurts' inability to run the RPO because of injuries or for whatever else it may be? But that needs to be better. They have to be able to win football games by closing out games late. So. I looked back, and everyone's saying they're not running as many RPOs. And through the first eight weeks of the season, Philadelphia Eagles ran 67 RPO plays. That would put them on pace to run 142 this season. Last year, they ran 185. So it is a little bit less. But I'm not sure if that is the problem. Is it just because of the RPO? Is it just because of Jalen Hurts' inability to run the football, whatever is going on with him? The knee injury, do they not want him running the ball as much? But if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, as great as the first nine weeks have been, we're sitting here eight and one, the offense is one of the top five offenses in the NFL. So I'm not saying the sky is falling here. But if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, what I am focused on during this bye week is figuring out how to make the running game effective again. Because you saw it now two weeks in a row, the Eagles could have lost these games simply because they couldn't close it out late by running the football. 
And that was something they did so well last year. So well last year. How many times did we see it last season where the Philadelphia Eagles would get the ball back towards end of games and they would just go on these long, demoralizing drives behind that offensive line? So they have to be able to do it again. They just have to be able to do it again because it's going to be the only way to close out these games when the weather starts to change, when these tough defenses come here and you got these big matchups. Look, coming out of the bye, and we're not going to break down that game just yet, but coming out of the bye, the Kansas City Chiefs, everybody hears Kansas City and thinks, oh, their offense is so good. They may have one of the best defenses in the league. They're winning games not just because of Patrick Mahomes. They're winning games because of that defense. If any of you woke up early and watched then play the Miami Dolphins in Germany. That defense is extremely good. So you have to be able to run the football to close out these games. It should help with Cam Jurgens coming back. That should be a big help. But I don't know what the issue is. Is it just Jalen Hurts' inability? And, you know, I'm sick of hearing, too, oh, well, defenses are playing them differently this year. Defenses are loading the box. They're loading the box. Everyone loves to use these expressions. Oh, they're loading the box. You don't think they were loading the box last year at end of games when the Philadelphia Eagles would just pound the ball down defenses' throats? It didn't matter what defenses did last season. The Philadelphia Eagles' offensive line was able to just pound the football down teams' throats. So I don't want to hear anymore, oh, it's defenses loading the box. The Eagles were able to run the football on everybody last year. Look at that NFC Championship game, what they did to the 49ers defense, demoralized them. Where's our Niners all damn day? Where are you at? I know you remember what they did to your defense last year in the playoffs. But look, my hour's almost up, and I don't want to end on a negative because you guys know that's not who I am. This is not the sky is falling. We can sit here and we can be very happy with where we are after nine weeks. There is a lot of good on this team. A lot of good. This offense is extremely talented. Jalen Hurts is a stud. A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Not one of the best wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. He is always open. Devontae Smith is a stud. This offensive line should be able to get it together. There's enough talent there that they should be able to get it together. And on the defensive side of the ball, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what we are seeing with this secondary is simply a product of the fact that they haven't played together for a long period of time. I'm still willing to give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Let's get it fixed during this bye week. But again, guys, let's be excited because I've been getting a lot of people on my Instagram commenting to me that the sky is falling. Yes, there is room for improvement, but there is no perfect team in the NFL. Not a single one. Niners all damn day. 
Hold on. I think that's a – I don't really know if that's him. I don't really know if that's him. But I see him in the chat. But there's a lot to be positive about with this football team. They are the best team in the NFL. The best team in the NFL. And they're going to get these things fixed. But I just don't like that we wake up today on a Monday morning and people want to fire the offensive and defensive coordinator. That is an overreaction in my opinion. Did Brian Johnson make some bad play calls yesterday? Yes. We talked about the third and three towards the end of the game. But I'll tell you what, man. I thought he called some really good plays yesterday too. I thought you saw some real creativity down in the red zone. They went three for three in the red zone. I love that they came out with a two-back set with DeAndre Swift starting in the slot, coming in motion, Kenny Gainwell as a lead blocker. They showed some real creativity yesterday. And on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think we can keep blaming Sean Desai for what's going on. The players need to play better too. But as I end the show today, because I want to end on a positive, when you leave here, just remember, the Eagles are two and a half games up in the NFC East. And I saw this stat, that as of right now, the Philadelphia Eagles have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. And they have a 69% shot of being of the team that gets the bye. So there's almost a 70% chance as we sit here going into the bye that the Philadelphia Eagles will be the number one seed in the NFC, and that's coming off of a Super Bowl hangover. So let's enjoy it. Let me get a little Eagles love in the chat. Let me get a little Go Birds, a little E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles, because it's not all doom and gloom all the time. Let's enjoy what we are watching, and what we are watching is a team that all they do is win. 25 wins in their last 27 regular season games. We've never seen anything like this. As good as the Andy Reid error was, they weren't winning games at clips like this. This team wins every damn week. So let's enjoy it. And guys, like we end every show with a little today in sports history, and sometimes these are hard to find, guys, because not every day is there something good in sports history. But October 6, 1929, the Providence Steamrollers became the first NFL team to host a game at night under floodlights. They lost 16-0 against the Chicago Cardinals at the Cycledrome in Providence, Rhode Island. So on November 6, 1929, was your first football game that was played at night under the lights. And if any of you guys played high school football, Friday night lights, nothing better than that. But, guys, I appreciate all of you being here in the chat. If you want more Eagles talk tonight, 6.30, live here on the Jacob Sports Network and on the Legal Hands to the Face YouTube channel, we will be live with our Legal Hands to the Face show, which is all Philadelphia Eagles talk. We're going 90 minutes tonight. I'll have Dr. Chris Radcliffe on to talk about Dallas Goddard's injury, get into the Jalen Hurts knee injury, and see – what's going on with Cam Jurgens as well. But I appreciate every one of you taking the hour to spend with me. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and hopefully I'll see a lot of you tonight. Legal Hands to the Face Show at 6.30. Hit that like button on the way out. 
And as always, guys, go birds. Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.